Swing and a drive! Welcome to Red, White, and Blue Jays, the podcast home of Blue Jays Fans UK, a group connecting Blue Jays fans around the UK and beyond and telling their stories. And now, here's the host of Red, White, and Blue Jays, Steve Hunter. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Red, White, and Blue Jays. It's been a little while since we've been here, but really glad to be back and to be looking forward to the uh, second half of the 2023 season. And I'm absolutely thrilled today. Uh, I guess I've been trying to get on for a little little while. I, I wanted to do it last year and then just didn't have enough space and then um this year i've been sort of slightly chasing caitlin to say would you come and talk to a british audience with us so caitlin mcgrath of the athletic staff writer uh on the blue jays welcome to the uk how are you i'm great thank you for having me it's my dream one day to go to the uk i mean i've been to ireland uh years ago when I was a teenager with my mom, but I haven't um, been back since and I haven't done, um, you know, England and I actually have family in Scotland and I've never been there. So it's it's on my list of uh, places to go and visit. Well, we'd love to have you. Um, I was going to talk to about to you about the London series uh, a little bit later on. So perhaps we'll, okay. we'll touch on that and maybe that will be the opportunity for you to to come on this side of the pond. So doing this sort of thing, I, I guess, talking into a British audience, that's probably a bit of a new thing for you as well. Yeah, I don't think I've been on many British uh, radio shows or podcasts. I'm trying to think maybe once or twice before, but uh, not often. So this is new for me. Hopefully uh, your audience is somewhat familiar with me. And if they're not, maybe they will be after this. <laughs> totally. I, I know I know a lot of people who, uh, particularly when you were doing the Swin Rate podcast, uh, spoke mm. really highly um, of you. Uh, so there are a lot of people here, a lot of Jays fans here in the UK uh, will know about you. So I'm, I'm sure they'll be thrilled. I'd love to start our discussion this afternoon or this morning for you in terms of just how you came to do what you're doing. What, what's been what's been your trajectory into being a staff writer at The Athletic? Yeah, I mean, it's um, not always like linear, but uh, I have a fairly traditional, um, I guess, path. I uh, studied at the University of Western Ontario, which is in London, Ontario, and um, the other London. Um, and uh, so I studied there and then I got uh, a degree in journalism. And from there, I just did a series of kind of internships and eventually made my way to the National Post uh, sports section, which was my first kind of real big full-time job in journalism. I worked there for a little bit. And then uh, eventually I, I, I met some people that I'm still very good friends with. Eric Kareen is our, our Raptors writer at The Athletic, and I worked with him at the National Post. And so, uh, you know, eventually uh, work got hired at The Athletic when they came around back in 2016. And at The Athletic, I started actually more behind the scenes as an editor, uh, did kind of social media. Those are the things that I did at the National Post. I was, um, I think it was like a web producer was my role there. Uh, And so just over time, working at The Athletic for a few years, doing the editing stuff, kind of filling in here and there when I um, wanted to write or when there were sort of stories that I could um, latch onto, I did that. And I, I always wanted to be 
a writer or, or at least a, a journalist or a reporter. Uh, I have some experience in TV and radio, but generally speaking, I think writing was sort of what I like to do the most. And so I just always wanted to be a writer, um, a sports writer, I guess. And it just so happened that a couple years into working at The Athletic, um, we kind of expanded uh, throughout Canada. And one of the writers that had been based in Toronto working on Blue Jay stuff, wanted to move back to Vancouver. So he did that. And then there was kind of an opening on the Blue Jays. This was back in 2018. So I kind of put up my hand and said, I'll help out. Like I'll do some Blue Jay stuff. And I just started doing it and just like haven't stopped since. So um, that's, yeah, that's was my first year kind of on the beat. Uh, it was 2018. And yeah, I've been covering the team basically ever since. That's amazing. Uh, was sports writing did you want to do specifically sports journalism or, or was it that's sort of how you found yourself going in that direction? I think like, so when I was at Western as a student, um, I worked at the campus uh, newspaper, which was called the Western Gazette. And there my first um, introduction to journalism was mostly sports journalism. It just, I had always been a sports fan. I grew up as a sports fan. So I guess it was just like, easy for me to imagine um, getting my foot in the door in journalism and doing it via sports. But as I kind of got more experience in journalism and continued to work at the newspaper and then obviously studied journalism in school, um, I did really like to do news and uh, I particularly like like local municipal news. Um, and my first couple internships were actually in news and I did really like it, but then there would be some instances where I would be sort of drawn to maybe not necessarily like sports specific stories, but certainly like kind of sports adjacent stories in news, whether it was like things about like bike lanes and like, or something like that. Or um, I remember doing an internship in Ottawa for a while and there was some sort of story about like a CFL team coming and visiting, um, parliament in in Ottawa and I was assigned to do that story and so I just kept kind of finding myself um doing these kinds of stories that sort of geared more towards sports and that was like really where like my comfort was and then um when I was kind of looking for a full-time job uh the National Post reached out and they were looking for someone for specifically their sports department so it just um, was kind of like happenstance that that was my first opportunity to get like a full-time job in sports. And then I've just been doing it ever since. So, you know, I would have definitely been like open to doing news if like my career had like taken me there, but I will say like, it feels kind of like fate that I did that end up in sports because like I said, I always seem to be kind of drawn towards sports. And, you know, even when I cover sports now, I don't necessarily just do like, um, specifically just like game stories right I like to venture out and do like profiles of players or uh, you know get to know who they are uh, off the field or get to know their families or like do different types of stories like that so that kind of helps um, scratch the itch of like doing other types of stuff not just specifically like game oriented stories yeah you're making everybody very jealous now with uh, <laughs> the thought of Doing that sort of work and 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 rubbing shoulders with these guys and and their families uh, must be a thrilling thing to do. Um, did you play uh, softball growing up? Was it a passion of yours? Uh, how was your sort of baseball knowledge as you sort of started following the Jays? You got some experience in that area. Yeah, I mean, I played a little bit of 
baseball and softball growing up, but I wouldn't say it was my favorite sport or anything. I played it like in the summer and in the winter, I would play hockey growing up. Um, you know, mostly like my favorite sport ended up being like volleyball. I played a lot of volleyball in high school, uh, and I always have liked running. Um, and so it's not, I wasn't necessarily like drawn to baseball because it was my favorite sport or anything like that. I did grow up in Toronto um, and my parents were Blue Jays fans. Um, You know, my dad in particular is a Blue Jays fan. And, you know, I do remember kind of growing up, I was young when the Blue Jays won their World Series, um, you know, in 92, 93. um, I was just kind of like a, a toddler at that time. So I don't really remember it, but I did kind of grow up in the shadow of that. I mean, uh, after they won in 92 and 93, they were still like, you know, huge big deals into like 95, 96, 97. So I do remember like wearing Blue Jays, um, you know, gear as a kid. I remember my dad being a fan. I know my parents went to some of those World Series games. And so like you kind of grow up knowing the Blue Jays are a big deal and they were like really successful then. So um and then obviously like for a long time in my youth, they weren't really good. Um, you know, they were just very medi- mediocre. Um, you know, they had great players, obviously like Roy Halladay, Carlos Delgado. Uh, and I certainly like remember going to Blue Jays games as a, a kid and those guys. And um, so that has always kind of informed me, but honestly, like when I, got into Blue Jays uh, or baseball writing, it really was just like, uh, that was the opportunity at the time. You know, I think if at the time, like the opening had been a Leafs writer, uh, I might be on, you know, the UK Leafs podcast right now, um, because it just was like, I really just wanted to be a sports writer. And I wasn't, um, I was pretty open. And I've always been pretty open my career to like, just saying yes to like the opportunity that's in front of me. I've never wanted to really like be boxed in and be like, no, I only want to do this type of um, writing, which is why I say like, I was always very open to doing like news or politics or whatever. I just wanted the opportunity to be a writer. So baseball, like it wasn't like I was always like, I want to be a baseball writer. Um, That opportunity just came up. But I will say that it's really fit my personality. Like I was almost surprised to learn how much I enjoyed it and how it clicked with me. I am like a very uh, routine oriented person. And I've almost like learned that about myself in doing this job. Um, And baseball, covering baseball is like the perfect um, match for somebody that really likes routine. I mean, there's games basically every day, you get a lot of, um, you get a lot of reps and experience. That was the other great thing. I mean, I was kind of thrown into it. I had always wanted to be a sports writer, but I I had just come up being like an editor and doing all that kind of stuff. And so, you know, I knew I could be a writer because I'd spent so much time editing, but I'd never actually really done it. And the nice thing about baseball is like you get a chance basically every single day. And so it was really good to like learn on the fly um, because, you know, if I wrote one story one day and it's like, oh, I didn't feel great about that story or I really wish I kind of did it this way. It's like, okay, well, tomorrow I can try it that way or, you know, tomorrow I can talk to these few players and and get a different perspective or whatever. So um, I really appreciate um, that baseball like gave me that opportunity to like learn and, and get better. Um, and so while I never necessarily set out to be a baseball writer, I almost think like it, we kind of found each other and it's really worked out nice. Um, and it feels like sort of fate that I ended up in this role because I do think it really meshes with who I am.
which which is an amazing story because I think um, I was speaking to actually a friend of mine, uh, Ruth, who who lives in Vancouver yesterday, and uh, I was saying to her, oh, I'm going to be speaking to Caitlin tomorrow, and uh, she she was saying, um, you know, it's great to see women like yourself investing in in sports, which historically probably been dominated by men and to see mm-hmm. people sort of cutting a career and doing a really good job with it and so I can tell you that you are definitely a role model for many people out there and uh, they look to you and and are very grateful for the career that you forged and I think I think it's fantastic to to see um did have you found that sort of working in that environment a challenge at all or is it or is it something that the world is changing at such a rapid pace now that seeing women coming through uh in in the place that they should be um has that been a difficult road um yeah I never really thought about it that way I mean I think there's a lot of women that came before me that had a far more difficult time and you know I look to them as sort of an inspiration and honestly I'm so grateful for them because there was a time where women were really not welcome in the clubhouse even though they had every right to be there because they were just doing their job but certainly it was a different era and um they had to put up with you know a lot more than I would have ever I do have to put up with you know so like I uh am so grateful for all the people um all the women specifically that kind of did the job before me and did the job really well and kind of forged that path and I'm just you know, continuing on and following their footsteps. And so, um, you know, I have never really thought about it. Of course, I know that generally speaking, there's more men out outnumber women um, in my job and in the press boxes. And I, I love to see when there are more, more women, especially young women, like coming and interning or, you know, freelancing or getting jobs. Um, I love that. And, you know, I always just think about like building that community I think when there's not as many women doing the job it's really great for those women who are in the job to um, kind of band together and promote each other's work and um, just kind of form that community within a community I always really like value that and there's a lot of women that like I work with at the athletic that I'm really close to even though we don't even live in the same city but like we see each other sort of maybe if I'm in that road city or if they're coming to Toronto um, we just talk and so that's always a really great resource and so I like to um sort of continue that on if I can, if, if uh, there's any young woman out there that, you know, want to get into the job or, or in the job and ever have any questions, um, you know, I'm always there to answer and I hope that I can help them even just be a friendly face in the clubhouse uh, or the press box. And honestly, like that extends beyond just women, like young people, anyone that's like new um, that come to a Blue Jays game for like the first time as, as a working media, like it's super intimidating. I, you know, I was lucky to have mentors when I got into the job and they really helped me. Um, and so I try to sort of pay it forward a little bit and just even if it's as simple as like, follow me, I'll show you like where the clubhouse is or like, oh, this is the elevator to use. Like, um, cause it's, it's hard. Like it's a tough competitive job. There's, uh, deadlines you got to worry about. There's all this stuff you got to worry about word count, everything. And then on top of it, having to feel kind of like lost in a stadium and trust me, I've been lost in so many stadiums, especially when you go on the road. So confusing. So, uh, Anytime that I can help someone just with like navigational purposes or anything like beyond that, I am there to help. But 
Yeah. Like my experience in sports media, um, I would say generally has been, you know, positive and, you know, hopefully I can just keep going and, and keep it, you know, a positive space for every, anybody that's new and wants to join it. Brilliant. Great stuff. I'm sure there'll be a lot of people who'll be contacting you now as the uh, tour, yeah. guide, tour guide around Rogers Centre. Uh, yeah. That's cool. Right. Let's um let's dive then into Jay a bit more Jay stuff um and how we feel they're doing. It's great mm-hmm. to catch you at the sort of mid-season or just started the yeah. second half of the season. Uh we did a I did a couple of reviews with well, I did had Scott Carson on and and Ben Wagner sort of towards the beginning of the season. How do you how now looking back over the first half, what's your what's your overall impression of where the Jays are? Um, as of today yeah I think you know first half probably uh, underwhelming I think is sort of the word that I've used to best characterize it I mean April was really great and then May was just awful and then you know June and towards July they're starting to be a little bit looking more like the team we thought they would look uh, albeit the offense still had been really slow in the first half overall with, especially with runners in scoring position. And um, I think the pitching has been kind of a surprising strength, both starting generally speaking and the bullpen. Um, And so, you know, the biggest sort of concern to me or the biggest um, kind of storyline in terms of like team overall um, was just their terrible performance against their own division. Um, That to me is if they can straighten it out, then, um, you know, maybe it won't, be something that comes up but certainly if you get to the end of the season and they're not where they should be they fall out of the playoff race or whatever may be I think you would look back at that performance especially in the first half against the Red Sox and the Orioles and pin it really on that I mean not having a win in your first seven games against Red Sox only one win against the Orioles obviously there's still time for them to get that record looking better I think it's seven and 20 um basically through the first half so there's still enough time to get it closer to 500 if they can manage that they'll have to play really well against the division to do that but that to me is like um something that I was not expecting they were pretty good against their division last year it still is a top division but they uh, performed much more as you would expect. And this year it's been really unexpected how bad they've been. So that's something that needs to improve in the second half for them to get to where they need to be. But certainly the end of the first half and into now the second half, um, they're looking more like the team we thought they would be. And I sort of have known this team to be a better second half team than a first half team. It was at least recently has seemed to be that way. And certainly in the first half, or sorry, in the second half, they're kind of starting to look like, okay, maybe this was the team we expected them to be. Yeah, you said um, in part of that that April was really good and then May was shocking because uh, yeah. traditionally so the Jays have always struggled to get going quickly. Mm-hmm. And I think we were all quite surprised, oh, April, and maybe this is different. And then it just felt like it sort of fell back to the, oh, the normal Blue Jays and just that sl- slow start. And with with the divisional stuff, um, obviously with the change in rules this year and the fact that we're playing every other team, um, mm-hmm. do you think that falls in in our favor in any way? I mean, the, the AL East is so strong and so dominantly strong. You know, you look at it in comparison to the other divisions. The mm-hmm. fact that we're not actually playing our divisional rivals quite so much, do you think that helps us? Well, I mean they've played really good against everybody, but their division. So the yeah. blue Jays uh, winning record is in large part, thanks to the fact that they've been so good outside of their division. So in that way, it's good. Um, and, 
you know, not playing their division and their division being so tough is a good thing, but it also goes the other way. Whereas like the Orioles and the Rays don't have to play their own division as much as well. So they are getting to kind of feast on some of those uh, basement dwelling teams, just as much as the Blue Jays are. And, you know, the other side of it is that, you know, on the one hand, yeah, the Blue Jays don't have to face their division as much. Um, On the other hand, they don't have as much opportunity to gain ground on them. Like they've, like we've said, they've um, dug such a deep hole against their own division um, and they just don't have as much opportunity to gain ground. I mean, you look, they're six teams back, I think of the Rays as we're recording here on Monday. So, you know, six games is it's not insurmountable, but it's still a decent gap and they don't have that many games left against the Rays, right? It's probably like, I haven't looked, but it's probably like eight or nine or something left against the Rays. So um, maybe less. And so, you know, that's, um, you know, that's the other flip side of it. So um, yes, it's a, it's better. I think the balanced schedule is better. Um, They get to play some of those teams that just aren't as strong, um, but, you know, so does everybody. The Blue Jays have done a good job, at least, of taking advantage of that schedule. They have been sort of, for the most part, beating the teams that they should beat. Um, there's not been as there's not been a ton of series where you they've lost a series and you're like, wow, that was a really bad series loss. I mean, it's going to happen throughout a long season. Um, I think the worst sort of series losses have all come against their own division, or at least the majority of those bad series losses have come against their own division. Yeah, I, I was going to ask you about whether you thought the Rays are catchable. I mean, it, for me, it feels like, well, it's, all things are possible, of course, but I think probably unlikely. So they, then you start sort of working through the wildcard standings. Um, yeah. And, you know, you throw Houston in there. But beyond that, it looks like it's going to be dominated by the AL East going into to the postseason. Do, do you feel do you feel any concern that the Jays may not make it? Or, or you that's just ridiculous steve well yeah and like the rays like may not be catchable by the blue jays but the orioles certainly look like they are maybe right on the mm. heels i think they're only like two games back at this point get, um get they, game back game back to game back okay yeah. so they uh and they've i know they've won eight in a row and the rays have kind of struggled and their injuries are a bit uh, catching up to them and they obviously weren't going to hit at the sort of the torrid pace that they started hitting with um during the season so um yeah i i I, I actually do think the Rays are catchable, um, maybe not by the Blue Jays, but uh, it does seem like a wild card position is the most likely, um, though, uh, you know, things can happen in a baseball season and the Blue Jays can take advantage of um, a fairly softish schedule in the second half, I think, um, certainly better than the first half. I, at the same time, um, in terms of the wild heart question, like I you know, I, I think the way the Blue Jays are playing now, as long as they can kind of maintain this and like the offense does look better. And you you did think like it didn't really make sense how bad they were in terms of scoring runs in the first half because it was like they're a really good um, average hitting team. They're good at getting on base. They don't strike out. They walk at a pretty average rate. They make a ton of contact like they do all the things that like a good offensive team should do. And they really are like in the top sort of half in terms of production it's just like they weren't um driving the runs in like they weren't getting the big hits and so generally though like teams that are good offensively are good offensively like period there's not really a difference between teams that are good offensively but like not good at hitting with runners in scoring position like yeah teams can get into ruts and things can like spiral a little bit but um 
generally speaking, like that's going to break. It's going to normalize. It's going to even out. And so if we kind of assume that like maybe the Blue Jays offense is in a period of kind of normalizing, um, then they are maybe going to play better in the second half. Um, and so then I feel like fairly confident that assuming there's not really like a collapse, the pitching continues to be good. They maybe make some changes at the trade deadline that help the team a little bit. I think they're good enough to make a wild card. There's other, there's other teams that I think have bigger question marks, like the angels, like what the heck are the angels going to do? They're one of the teams like chasing them. Um, the Yankees kind of look like a bit of a mess right now. The Red Sox, you know, are staying in it, but they've been sort of inconsistent the last few years. So it's like, are they going to stay in it? Like, I think a lot of those teams, um, you look at the Blue Jays and you're like, okay, I, I favor the Blue Jays over those teams just on paper and based on like what they've been able to do, the possibilities of their team. So I think it's fairly likely um, the Blue Jays make a wild card. Stranger things have happened. You know, we've seen them have a terrible month, uh, like May. They could certainly happen again in August. Um, but I think if they just play consistently, uh, play like as they should, and their offense is, you know, as good as it should be, I think, you know, they should make the playoffs. Yeah. Well, let's hope so. Uh, let's not uh, put the kiss of death on them just, just yet. Yes. <laughs> um, offensively, it's been a bit of a struggle, but I think one of the things that even in this last series against the Diamondbacks, getting some late runs, you talked about runners in scoring mm-hmm. positions, um, you know, Danny coming through yesterday. How critical is it for the whole of the batting lineup to be playing their part and not just, you know, relying on the likes of Bo and Vladdy, you know, who's mm-hmm. had a sort of indifferent season? Uh, it's, it's so good to see, you know, people like, you know, Jansen doing incredibly well. Uh, mm-hmm. And yet there are a couple of players that they've carried a little bit. How do you feel the offensive um, makeup looks going forward? Yeah, it, it looks like most people are kind of being more like themselves. Like, you know, Matt Chapman is obviously amazing to start in April and then May and June were slower for him, but he kind of looks better in July, starting to get his hits, getting his doubles. Um, you mentioned Danny Jansen. He's been really good outside of when he's missed time with the injury and then kind of coming back slowly from that. But he's looked you know, really good. Um, definitely hitting for a lot of doubles and some power. Uh, Wit's been a good um, addition for like really the middle of the lineup. There, you get you're getting a lot from Kiermaier. I think probably even more so than you thought. You know, the two guys you want more from that are regulars in the lineup certainly would be Dalton Varshow, who's just really had a streaky season, really up and down. Like you've definitely seen him look really good at times, hitting for power and getting on base, but just you know not clicking consistently. He gives you a lot defensively, and I know the Blue Jays are still really happy with his sort of like overall game and what he's been able to deliver to the team. And obviously that was sort of a recent um, conversation with the Diamondbacks just here this past weekend. Um, and so you want a lot, you want more from him, certainly, and you want probably more from Alejandro Kirk. Um, he's been kind of, um, you know, very underwhelming. I think this season offensively, given the expectations you had coming in for him, all-star last season so you want more from him I think and if you were able to get it really that look makes the bottom of your lineup look a lot more dangerous um so you know I think that if you could get a little more from them then you're really clicking then you're really good but yeah getting those like additional runs has been huge and I think that's going to be key for them because the bullpen has been really really good kind of sneaky good and um you know they've been able to hold down those close games but 
like giving them extra runs to work with um, is just huge, right? Like asking them to, you know, hold a three or four run lead um, is, you know, a lot easier. I think pitching in super high leverage versus just, you know, medium leverage, very different. And then you can afford some guys some rest. Um, Eric Swanson, Jordan Romano, they've been pitching a ton. So if you can get them some rest here in the second half, if you don't have to use them as often, that's only going to help you down the yeah. road. Yeah. Just just with Kirk, what, what do you think has been the fundamental change? Because the last, as you say, the last couple of seasons, he's just been phenomenal. And uh, obviously they've had a newborn baby. I'm not saying that's the reason, but, you know, it's just mm-hmm. another factor in life, isn't it, that these things happen. But yeah, he just seems to be a little bit all at sea. Have you seen anything specifically about him and perhaps his, you know, his batting angle or anything that would give an indication of why he just seems to be struggling in the way that he is? Yeah, I mean, sometimes things can just be off for the whole year. And like you talk about, um, you know, having the baby, but like the the baby being born around spring training, him missing spring training kind of set him back. And so it's like maybe it sort of feels like you're playing catch up all year. Like you just you're almost having to get your timing rhythm once the season starts and maybe that throws you off and it's just you can't get it right. Mm-hmm. I think like the thing is like you're just not seeing the power from him. Um, You know, I know he's struggled and one of the things he's always working on is getting the ball in the air like he hits the ball on the ground a lot. And, you know, if you're Kevin Kiermeyer, sometimes you can get away with hitting the ball on the ground because you're really speedy with Merrifield. You can do it too. Like you can kind of sometimes run out some of those balls. Um, but you know, Alejandro Kirk, not a speedster. So he really needs to get the ball in the air. Um, he really needs to, you know, hit those line drives. And, you know, last year he was able to do, produce for some power and some doubles, especially this year. You're just not seeing that, you know, pitch selection could be a part of it um how guys are attacking him and he's maybe not adjusting um you know I think there's probably a lot of different factors and certainly he's he's working on it I know hitting the ball in the air is something that he's always kind of continuously working on and you have seen some signs of life a little bit there was a couple line drives or at least one or two the last couple um games that he's had but still they're kind of finding gloves and so you know maybe it turns maybe um sometimes a guy can just get hot and that's um, what it takes to kind of turn things around. Certainly the blue Jays would like to see that. And, you know, then I think if they can get his back going, then really like the offense would kind of take off because, you know, the top has been pretty good, especially with Bo and Springer and Vladdy. Well, maybe Vladdy's not quite the sort of MVP that we know he can be. He's still being generally speaking productive. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Playing his part. Um, just want to ask you a couple more if I can before mm-hmm. we, we let you go. Uh, just just looking at the picture, we've talked quite a lot about the bullpen. Bullpen performed really well. I just, uh, I think, you know, from, from the beginning of the season where we thought it might be a little bit shaky, actually over this mm-hmm. last couple of months, uh, I think they've, they've been excellent. Uh, Alec Manoa, um, it, obviously a storyline that nobody had anticipated would play out in the way that it has. Um you know, been given obviously the, the the start right at the beginning of the season, um, and then seeing him go through all the struggles that he's had, uh, and then taking him out of this out of the picture, which I thought would be for some period of time, mm-hmm. but for him to come back quite so quickly, I, I I was surprised by that. Did did that take you by surprise that his return? He obviously had a good good outing for the Fisher Cats, and that seemed to be a sort of good stepping stone for him. 
Mm-hmm. We're not quite sure what he's going to look like for the rest of the season. We hope that he's sort of sorted himself out and and will be the the player that we know he can be. Um, but do do you have any question marks still over how he might be over the next few games? Yeah, I think like it was hard to know what was going to happen with the Manoa situation just because the Blue Jays were very sort of like um, uh, they never really wanted to paint a timeline on it they never wanted to sort of suggest he would be away for x amount of time it was always very fluid and you never really knew you know like you said like maybe some of us thought it would be a long time Uh, maybe some people thought it would be a short time it was all kind of um a little mysterious I guess what what was going to end up um it ended up being basically a month which you know, I was slightly surprised in the sense that I thought maybe one or two more minor league starts would really get him going. But I understand um, also on the flip side, why maybe they didn't want to keep him in the minors like too long. If you think he's ready, you might as well put him back in the major leagues. He certainly has kind of deserved that role uh, or sorry, earned that role and, and deserves it. And so I think that um, initially I was like, oh, OK, like he's already back. But then I was in Detroit. I saw him pitch. He looked really good. Um, what kind of really confirmed it for me was just not so much the pitching. Cause I think there's still probably areas where he can get the slider moving even more. He can probably be a little bit more efficient. Like last year, he was so good at putting guys away kind of quickly and keeping that pitch count down this year. That's been a bit of a struggle for him. Um, and especially like with the command, but what I thought was really good about that outing was just that he looked really confident. Like he was jumping off the mound and skipping off the mound and like pumping his fist and looking very like walking off the mound. He usually did, you know, after strikeout. And I thought he just like looked a lot more like himself. He looked like he was having a good time out there. He was confident out there. Um, And, you know, definitely during sort of like the bad starts, especially that last start against like the Astros, like he really didn't look like himself. It was like, this guy does not look like he's almost enjoying it out there. And you know, he wants to enjoy it because he's so competitive and he loves, helping the team win, but basically seeing him out there looking not like the guy we knew he could be like, that was really tough. And so I think what I was sort of, um, you know, glad to see was that he was really looking more like a sort of vintage Manoa out there against um, the Tigers. And so, yeah, we don't know how he's going to look against the Padres, probably a little bit of a tougher assignment, although, you know, the, uh, the Padres really have underperformed this year and offense really has not been um, what many thought that offense would be. And so, um, you know, they're, they're below 500 team. So I think it's still actually a pretty decent um, matchup for him. And so we'll see how he performs. It'll be his first start back at the Rogers center too, since the last one against the Astros, which obviously was really not good. So that's going to be interesting to watch. Um, but he's been back in the clubhouse. He's looking like his normal self. Looks like he's so happy to be back, understandably so. And, you know, his demeanor looks great. His confidence looks great. Um, he looks like, you know, he really learned a lot from that experience in Florida, both kind of mechanically, but also sort of mentally going through somewhat of a challenge and then kind of coming out the other side of it. So it's really fascinating. Um, and I think, you know, the Blue Jays don't necessarily need him to be a Cy Young guy for the second half, although obviously that would be nice. Um, but I think that really it's just about, can he give you, you know, six good quality innings? I think that's really going to be what it comes down to. And if he can, then the rotation looks, um, you know, a lot better down the stretch than 
um, versus if you have sort of question marks with, you know, him or Kikuchi or even Gosman now dealing with somewhat of a minor injury. So um, definitely really eager to see how he looks against the Padres. Mm. And of course, Ryu is not far away from what we can tell. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. he had a good good outing for for Buffalo. Um, and Kikuchi yesterday uh, struggled a bit. So I just wondering how that rotation would start to look with Ryu coming in. Would, would they go to a six man or would you think that they would perhaps put Kikuchi into a sort of high leverage bullpen scenario? How would you see that unfolding? I think like initially like a six man might be uh some kind of a good idea just to give some guys some rest like now again we're looking at like a situation where you know gosman's being kind of skipped and then bassett and brios are going again um so if you could kind of insert like a six man in there maybe for a period of time and you give some of those guys especially like brios and bassett who um have really been going this entire year when Alec Manoa was down they were like basically a four-man rotation Kikuchi as well um, has been making all his starts too so I think if you can insert a six-man and sort of use that as a way that you can push guys back get them an extra day of rest I think the Blue Jays honestly would like to do that it would sort of make up for the time when they were really running basically a four-man rotation so um if you could use that sort of strategically um and you know but sometimes baseball has a way of working stuff out like uh you know maybe the bougies will end up wanting to il gosman we don't know but like maybe there is a scenario where they do and uh then ryu comes up and he's your fifth guy for a while like we'll have to kind of see how it develops i think it's one of those like good problems to have if you have six guys um it's much better than they were a few weeks ago when they had four guys totally well it feels like everything is teeing up for an excellent second half to the season really excited about what might happen and uh really grateful for your your thoughts caitlin it's uh, so good to have you let's just uh, close out then if you wouldn't mind just as we talk about the london series i'd love to know your perspective uh, particularly what you see from from toronto uh in terms of what's happened thus far so obviously we had the yankees and red sox back in 2019 we've just had the cubs and the cardinals uh, about three weeks ago now mark shaparo has hinted that it would make sense for the mm-hmm. Blue Jays to consider it at some point. Uh, what would your perspective be on what you've seen thus far? Do you think do you think people from you know Canada would love to come over to the UK and see the Jays play here? Do you think the the, the MLB market is up for the Jays playing? Because they've obviously concentrated obviously on the American teams thus far. Yeah, I mean, I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, the Blue Jays are the team that has the most logical ties to the Great Britain and the UK and, you know, the Commonwealth. Um, and so I've always thought it would make a lot of sense. I think the Blue Jays are a great international team that plays in um, Major League Baseball already. Like they are your um, international market right there in your own league right now. And so I've always thought it would make a lot of sense. I think, you know, the teams always have to consider the travel. That's the one thing Um, happens in the middle of the season. And sure, you can work in some off days around it, but it is a huge amount of travel for two games that are really just part of your regular season schedule. You give up home dates. The blue Jays have lost a lot of home dates the last number of years because of the pandemic. And so that's another thing that they would have to consider. You've just renovated the Rogers center. You want to sort of maximize the potential of that. And so I'm not sure if the blue Jays want to give up 
um, a couple of home dates. Um, if it would come on, I guess it would come one-on-one either side for the teams, I guess. Um, so that's another thing they have to consider. And yeah, I mean, I think I understand why MLB sort of targets some of those like big, uh, market marquee type teams, you know, the Cubs have fans everywhere. The Cardinals have fans everywhere. Yankees, Red Sox, Dodgers, all those teams are, um, sort of much bigger than their, just their market. Um, but I think the same can be said for the Blue Jays. Obviously the Blue Jays span across Canada is the only team here. I know there's, um, you know, pockets of Blue Jays fans all across the world. They have a fairly international team with, you know, Ryu from Korea and, uh, Kikuchi, Japanese, um, you know, Barrios from Puerto Rico, like, so obviously Dominican is well represented. So, um, you know, they are a, a very diverse team and I think their fan base is really diverse. And I would, you know, personally speaking, selfishly love <laughs> the opportunity to get to go to London to cover baseball. I think that would be awesome. Um, so hopefully it happens. I, I'm sure the Blue Jays, like you said, um, have thought about it. Um, I think it would, uh, you know, only help their, um, I guess, brand, um, expand beyond the borders of Canada, um, more so than it already has. Uh, so I'd be down. I, um, you know, I would love it. Excellent. That's what we wanted to hear. We, we, we've, <laughs> we've talked a lot about it, um, on this podcast and, and amongst us as fans that, uh, on the two games that have already been held here beyond those who are sporting those particular teams, we, we think the Jays were the best represented, uh, other team, you know, in terms of jerseys and, and what have you, there are a lot of Blue Jays fans yeah. in the UK for all those obvious reasons that you you speak about. So, fingers crossed that it will happen. It's not going to happen next year. We obviously got the Phillies um, and the Mets coming over. Uh, then mm-hmm. it goes to Paris for a year, uh, and then it comes back to London in 2026. So, um, I'm I'm hoping that's the that's the year it's going to happen. But uh, <laughs> we sh- we shall see. Caitlin, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. It's been lovely talking to you and just getting your insights. Um, just let everybody know where they can find you on your socials, what what what, what uh, platforms you're on and, and where they can find all about you. Yeah, I'm on um, Twitter, um, assuming it still exists when this um, yeah. podcast goes up. Uh, Caitlin C. McGrath on Twitter. Uh, you can find me writing at The Athletic. Uh, you know, if you're not a subscriber, uh, I'd suggest you subscribe. You get my content, but a lot of other content, both from the Toronto market, but obviously across all different sports. Um, there's a ton there. Um, also, English Premier League, too, if that's something Absolutely. you're interested yep. in, Will. So, um, you know, you can find me there. So, yeah. Uh, and, you know, like I said earlier, if anyone has any journalism questions, I'm always happy to answer those. Amazing. Thanks so much. Look forward to speaking to you again. We'll, we'll have you back on and, uh, yeah, be able to chat again. That'd be amazing. But thanks for your time for today. Yeah, of course. Thank you for having me. See you soon. The Red, White and Blue Jays podcast is a production of Blue Jays Fans UK. If you've got a Blue Jays story to share, let us know. Email us at bluejaysfansuk at gmail.com. And follow along on Twitter and Instagram at bluejaysfansuk. I'm your announcer, Jim Langton. Thanks for listening.